Hey there, I'm Catalina Villegas. I'm the host of Rolly's Experts Explain Everything podcast. Rolly is the platform where journalists find experts for their stories. It is created by journalists and for journalists. And as a journalist myself, I love to find fascinating people on Rolly, experts with so much knowledge and insight, and yet it rarely makes it past the headlines. So I'm bringing on one of those experts to answer all the burning questions I've ever had about their field. Today I'm chatting with Dr. Jean Cerillo, a psychologist and attorney in New York who has been on hundreds of international television shows both as a staff psychologist and an expert guest. She is also an author. Jean, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Catalina. It's a pleasure. I've been watching some of your stuff and I've been very impressed by it. Oh, thank you so much. Well, ditto. I have to say, Jean, you know, most people barely get that first degree, and yet you are an attorney and a psychologist and an author. Tell me a little bit about your story and how did you end up entering and exploring all these different fields? I was a psychologist for 25 some odd years, and I found that a lot of people who came to me either had problems with family courts and divorce and custody, which is family law, or they had domestic violence or other types of violence, which is criminal law as well as family law. And many people, including myself, were struggling with insurance companies, which it certainly helps to know the law in those cases with health insurance. So I I had a wonderful aunt who's no longer alive. She was the last aunt alive. And at some point I was telling her an issue I had with one of the insurance companies. And she said, you know, maybe you should get to know the law. So I looked under paralegal degrees, and then I saw that a law degree could be done online. California is the only state that will make people eligible for the bar exam if they took an online law degree. So I got into one of those, and it was four years. It's a a very similar thing to what Kim Kardashian's doing now, only she's doing in-office study. You take what they call the baby bar after the first year, and then you're eligible to take the bar exam when you finish. And I'm happy to say I took it and passed it. That's incredible. How did that experience of um, getting to know the law in that way help you uh, provide better service for your for your clients as a psychologist? Well, you know, I, I could feel confident that when I suggested that they do one thing versus another, that I had the legal knowledge behind me and I wasn't going to ruin their divorce or custody case. For instance, a psychologist will say, if you're in a violent or potentially violent situation, get out immediately. Sometimes the family lawyer will say, you know, if you leave your house, you're going to lose the house and you could lose the kids. So I suggest that they have, of course, they have to make a plan. But the only thing is legally, if you left a proper environment, anywhere where you fear for yourself and certainly for your children's safety is not a proper environment. So you first have to document why you left, make provisions for the kids along with you, and then you can find another place to live. That's just an example, but that's one of many where there there can be a conflict between what a lawyer who knows only law will say and what a psychologist who knows only psychology will say. So this is a way of handling the many situations where both come together. 
Yeah, I didn't realize that, that it's so interesting that you have situations where you may be following what one expert says and uh, it might come back and, and hurt you in in some other aspects in some other ways. Does this only apply specifically to um, those kinds of in instances and circumstances uh, with domestic violence or do you see that in your work as well in other realms? No, I see it in other realms too. For instance, uh, contract law. There are a lot of situations where the lawyer will say, lock down the contract. Make sure you have every T crossed and every I dotted. And that's wonderful in an ideal world. Psychology always allows for an imperfect world. A little more than law does. It's a much younger field. Law has been around since ancient times. Psychology has been around for about 120 years. So anyway, something will happen where a person says, you know, I feel like I'm going to lose this work contract if, 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 if this clause isn't perfect. And I know that the chances are 99% that they won't have to ever come up against that clause because that clause is put in for something that has nothing to really do with them. So if they can't comfortably initial it and, and cross it out because the other person won't allow it, Keep it in mind what's going to happen if it ever becomes a conflict. But other than that, sometimes if you don't fuss over something, if you don't bring it up, the chance is so much in your favor that the other side isn't going to bring it up, that you're better off taking the chance, especially if it's something important or something very expensive where you can't afford to drag it out and drag it out. So I try to help them uh, balance between the practical and the perfect. Hmm, that sounds, the balance between the practical and the perfect, that sounds like what I need in my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> you do a lot of work around family law and violence, and the UN estimates that one in three women worldwide have been victims of violence at least once in their lifetime. I think recently the Violence Against Women Act was reauthorized through 2027. What is your take on the current uh, situation and status of, of violence against women? I think it's very good because one of the things that never used to be taken seriously is threats. A man would be saying, if you leave me, I'm going to kill you. If you do such and such, I'm going to kill your family. Now, you would tell the police that maybe 20, 30 years ago, and the police would say, and the judge would say too, a judge had said that to my friend in court when she was threatened by a neighbor. The person has to do it before we can arrest them. Yikes. Unfortunately, even if there's only less than 1% that carry out these threats or that try to carry them out, in those cases, it's too late to do anything about it. Maybe you can put the person in jail for life. Maybe you can even give them the death penalty, but it's not going to undo the damage. So now, if anything, the police and the courts might go a little far in the other direction. But if somebody says, I'm afraid of him or I'm afraid of her, you know, they threaten me. They can be convicted of making terrorist threats, which is a felony in all the states, including a federal felony. And, and that's good because if you have to live in fear, it's one thing you live in fear of violence, but if you have to live in fear of something that might happen, that could be just as terrifying, sometimes almost as terror, sometimes even worse than uh, if, if something happens and you deal with it and you get out of there. And it, there were people for years who were living in fear of their life, and nobody should have to live like that. And it's the same way in school. 
if a kid makes a threat against another kid, it used to be shrugged off. Now they take it seriously, whether it's done through cyberbullying, whether it's done in class, whether a kid makes a joke about bringing a gun to school and shooting the teacher, whatever it is, that child is arrested. And it's an example that these things are taken seriously and they can happen as evidence bears out. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that obviously I'm very exposed to a lot of those shooting school shootings and killing sprees and it's they're absolutely horrific but one thing that we hear over and over again is oh the warning signs right and so I I, it's great to hear that your perspective on this is that finally these kind of threats against women or against uh, schools and other kids are are being taken more seriously and are being addressed and I'm, I'm sure that's probably led to the prevention um of a lot of tragedy it certainly has because even though hindsight is an exact science and you can always say after somebody does something you know the signs were there by seeing the signs ahead of time even if you get a false positive the person obviously to make a threat like that is suffering in some way Mm -hmm. or their social judgment is so poor either way they need help so you get them the help before it escalates And the important thing is that the kids who feel like victims aren't walking around terrified that some bully is going to come from around the corner just when they don't expect it. Yeah, from a psychologist standpoint, is there anything that you can point us to in terms of violence, uh, some of those warning signs in violence, whether it's in the home or in a public place? Well, one of the big warning signs is making threats. The fact that somebody has those fantasies, especially if you're the object or people close to you are the object of those fantasies, is a sign that they're more likely to one day turn it into reality than somebody who doesn't have those fantasies. So what happens is by learning better ways to work things out, I find a lot of couples are now coming to me for premarital counseling. Mm. which they never used to do because, of course, when they're just about to get married, that's the high point of the relationship and everything's going fine. But if they notice little things that they disagree on, that might not be a problem. Like one person likes sleeping in 50 degrees, the other person likes sleeping in 80 degrees. That might be a problem if you have to sleep together every night in the same room. Mm -hmm. So you think of ways to work it out, create creative ways without... uh, coming to blows about it or coming to verbal blows where the two of you are unhappy. It's obviously so important to point out and note that violence isn't necessarily always uh, physical. You know, there is economic violence, there is uh, verbal abuse, um, manipulation, so many different ways that a person can can feel uh, violated against or, or can feel vulnerable. Control is a big thing. You know, anybody who's always putting a partner down and stays with that partner, what they're doing is they're seeking control. They're seeking to lower the person's self-esteem. And if the partner hears that enough, you start to feel, gee, I don't, nobody else would ever want me. I'm really not that great. I'm the, no, you know, I have to stay with this person. And maybe what they're telling me is right. And the control escalates and escalates until it's like you can't go out of the house wearing such and such an outfit. 
why did you, that guy look at you? There was an older woman who came to me. She said her husband would accuse her of flirting with older men or other men. That, and she was in a situation where she was sitting there. She didn't even know there was a man there. And he thought she was flirting with the man because the man happened to look at her. Eventually, he was a teacher, believe it or not. He used to pack the house so badly that you couldn't tell one room from another. She took pictures so that he couldn't accuse her of, again, leaving a proper environment. How bad the house was. She called the fire marshal. Then, once she left, which is the most dangerous time after you leave, especially if it's after several incidents have happened mm -hmm. and the person is used to control, they realize they lost control. He came after her with a hammer and was breaking into her car. Oh Somebody luckily reported it and the police came and arrested him. That's just absolutely horrific. Well, it's it's predictable, though. That's that's the way it, the cycle. Somebody doesn't start off like that or you'd run. In most cases, unless you're so comfortable with it from your own family that it seems normal. But in 99% in of cases, you run. So they start off being very attentive, very complimentary. Love bombing mm -hmm. can be a sign when they never want to be without you. And then that becomes control, that they're afraid you have somebody else when they're not there. For the few minutes, they're in the shower. And then it becomes more and more escalating toward abuse. So these are the early signs. You know, I covered a story, um, I want to say maybe a few years ago, and it was this absolutely horrific video. It was caught on camera of um, a mother who was taking her son to school and her husband, who I guess she had maybe a protective order against, he... Uh, drove up to her and then chased her down and shot her in front of her child and killed her and it was so horrific and I wondered um, what kind of trauma does that then leave for that child who basically witnessed the his mom's uh, murder well it brings to light the uh fear and the uh, result of living in a situation that's violent. The child probably thought this would happen many nights when he heard the two of them arguing. And the fact that it finally happened reinforces his view of the world that you can't trust anybody. And he's going to need a lot of help. If this is what his father did to his mother, and now he's without both parents because his father is in jail and his mother is dead you know that child is going to have a terrible time adjusting you know i've recently learned about adverse childhood experiences they call them aces and basically childhood traumas about 60 percent of the population has at least one childhood trauma one of them um, would be losing a parent and another one violence and neglect there's a, a lot a lot of them but one of the things that I learned that was uh, heartbreaking was that about more than 90% of the prison population has at least one childhood traumatic experience. And so you see kind of this cycle of violence get passed on from one generation to the next. Well, a little boy could be that could see that happen to his mother and he could identify with his mother and see himself as a victim or a potential victim. So he's very wary about who he associates with or 
he could identify with his father, the aggressor, which would have started long before this particular final incident. And then he himself becomes an abuser. Maybe he doesn't kill anybody, but he, he has been shown that violence is the way you resolve any disagreement. And when violence comes to mind, when he's under stress, that's going to be his first resolution, which is why they end up in prison. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you about something else that I think has been in a lot of our minds recently, and that's the situation with Ukraine. You, as I understand it, are half Ukrainian, and I wanted to know, how do we talk to our children who have witnessed violence on TV um, or through conversations that they're having at school? How do we talk to our kids about that kind of violence? Well, first, in this country, we have to reassure them that we are lucky in that we have an ocean between us. We would be the last ones they would attack if they decided to attack, which is highly unlikely at this point. They don't want NATO to get stronger. They always had control, just like an abusive husband. Russia was the abusive father figure, the patriarch that had control over Ukraine. They, they put them, them down in a lot of ways. It was the Ukraine as part of Russia instead of Ukraine. They took away a letter from the Ukrainian alphabet. These are all controlling methods. And now that Ukraine wants to become part of the allies and NATO, that's why it's happening. As far as the fears about it happening here, I wouldn't be so quick to say this, say the English or European children, because of the Second World War, they really suffered. And I never realized how bad that blitz was in England because we didn't see it in our history books. Mm. But I've seen English documentaries. They had to live in darkness and fear every night because the, the uh, other side was hitting them with bombs. That's not going to happen here. It happened on European territory. So again, we're an ocean away, and we have the mechanism for nuclear retaliation should it ever be necessary, so they're not going to try it on us. And children should be told the younger they are, it's not going to happen here. What happened even in the First and Second World War was on their territory. It wasn't here. Given that, if you have relatives there, you're right in worrying about them. You should do what you can to help them keep safe, which would mean at this point leaving the war territory. And even in a war, most people survive. Things have a much better chance of turning out happily or the human race would have ceased to exist. Even when the roads are icy, most drivers get home safely. You have to drive that home to children or they develop a fearful attitude of life and they never want to try anything. The older the kids are, the more they should be encouraged to do something, such as have a food drive or some type, provide some type of YouTube entertainment for the Ukrainian people or whatever it is for the people that had to emigrate to Poland and had to leave a lot of the things behind, including animals, which are really part of the family why it is that people have to do that, that they're not going to leave their kids behind, they're not going to leave humans behind, but they would have to leave possessions behind. And once in a while, they even have to leave animals behind. But these are the kind of things you have to discuss with kids. And you have to find out what they know, 
what they've heard. And you might be surprised at how much they've heard from other kids or from television or the internet. And then you find out what concerns they have, what you can address and what you can help them do about it. It's really fascinating, really great insight there. Jean, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You can learn a lot more about Jean by visiting her website, drjeantv.net, and you can find hundreds of other exceptional experts at www.roleapp.com. I'm Catalina Villegas, and you can always connect with me on social media at CatalinaOfficial, O-F-F-C-L, on Twitter, IG, or Facebook. Until next time.